A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Happy day 30 of the program, rolling through week four, which is downsizing, which is the perfect time to introduce our guest today, Dr. Beverly David, she is a clinical psychologist and a well-known sleep expert, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have you join our team of guest experts because I think that the program works really well in terms of you know people knowing what they need to do, working through their issues and associations, and bringing awareness. We talk about awareness a lot, but we need some tools and you know some some skills to help us move through these things in order to be successful. And I think you are the perfect addition to the team. So welcome, hello, Doctor Beverly. <laughs> hello, Jean and Evie. <laughs> So first of all, um, let's let's introduce you to all of our. I mean, you know, our, our community is is so amazing, and they are equally excited um, about you coming on today. Um, maybe a little bit of an introduction, uh, just to sort of who you are and sort of your area of specialty. And of course, you are a Libby loser. You have done the program. You're familiar with it. I think that is so important. Um, it just adds another layer, I think, of trust, especially uh, to our members that, you know, you know what they're doing here. So just a little quick introduction for everyone. Okay, very quickly. Um, I studied human psychology in the UK. That's where I'm from. I'm very Welsh. Um, human psychology covers what makes us a human starting from uh, birth all the way to the end of life. And after that, I started my uh, master's in health psychology because I love the interplay with what happens to our psychology when our health gets out of kilter and how it has a big relationship. Mm-hmm. After that, I did my first PhD in insomnia, which I know a lot of people have uh, connected about. Yes. And that really was uh, the sort of launch pad into then why I wanted to then learn even more about clinical psychology, because sleep, it includes a lot, but I wanted to be able to go even deeper. So I did a second PhD in clinical psychology. Um, and in the in the UK, we train across the lifespan, which is lovely because you learn what we're like when we're little, when we're forming all of these ideas and thoughts and scripts. And I get to work all the way through to older adults and grief and see how do these stories turn up. Mm. Um, anywhere in the lifespan, we can apply psychology tools. Now I'm in Canada. So um, I opened a practice in Uxbridge, had to do a lot more studying. Uh, two PhDs wasn't enough for Ontario. So I... <laughs> Did all of that, and I'm excited to now be able to just share a little bit of anything you need whenever you need it. Wow. Well, I'm just already having the aha moments when you talk about people's past, you know, and and sort of how that affects where people are at now. And, you know, when it comes to dieting, everyone talks about how detrimental dieting can be, not only to your physical health, but your mental health as well. And, you know, we 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 encounter people all the time who've been dieting as far back as they can remember. You know, I, I talk about your issues and associations when it comes to, you know, your, your parents telling you to eat everything off your plate and, you know, eat your broccoli, it's good for you. And, you know, wait until dinner and all the things we're taught about food, which is why this week is such a, a perfect time to have this conversation. Because with week four, it's fascinating because after spending four weeks, including prep week of like, you know, eating in tune to your body, like eating five, six times a day, nutrient rich foods, eating dissatisfaction. The only thing that changes this week is eating slightly less. And that really messes people up, especially when it comes to leaving food on their plate. And then they're terrified of feeling hungry. And would you say that this, this, these issues, like where do we even start to address and work through these issues if they go, if they can go so far back? <laughs> I know that's a lot. It's, it's a lot, isn't it? Um, Normally, I would explain right at the start how the brain is the, the supercomputer that's in charge okay. of it all. Okay. It's developing the minute we're born. So it's tiny and it's little and it's smooth and that's perfect. It has to be born. It has to come out of the garage without scratching the car. So it's born early. But this means this little brain can adjust in the environment that it's born whether there's famine, whether there's lots of food, whether there's war, whether there's conflict. 
And food is immediate. It's one of the first things the baby will have is food and comfort. And so you are right, right from the start, when we are little, we are learning about food and what it means to us. Um, So the brain is there to look after us. It's well-trained. It's going to be looking out for danger. It's going to be looking out for anything that's going to compromise our well-being, our our life, basically. And it's going to fire on all cylinders if it senses any sort of threat. And threat in the olden days, and and one day in, in another program, we might talk about what this is, but threat is used to be those saber-toothed tigers, you know, and the the neighboring cave person that might bop us on the head with a mallet. But now it's our thoughts. And lots of it comes from those thoughts that are just as powerful as the threat. Like, what if? What if I'm not good enough? What if I will fail? What does it mean to not finish my plate? Especially when, when we were little, maybe that would have provoked a threatening feeling for us, you know, you can't leave the table until you finish your plate. We might have felt being led to feel guilt. There's starving children out there. That's so huge about your thoughts because they've studied this, especially with ath- athletes and visualization, that your body very much reacts the way you are thinking of doing the thing. So it is it is very real. Your thoughts are very real to you, even though you might not be acting acting something out or it actually really happening. So that's that's deep. And our thoughts will come like the hardest part of cognitive behavioral therapy is even catching the thoughts. You'll just have a horrible feeling of shame or guilt or discomfort or just feel terrible. And so it's very hard to catch why, why did I have that feeling in my body of dread? And then we have to catch the thought and think, did I just think I messed up? Did I fail again? You know? All of that, all when of it that. comes to dieting, all of that. You'll hear our members talk about all of this, like, you know, this this need to, to do it perfectly and, you know, trusting it's going to work and second guessing and then getting on the scale and the negative thoughts that come up or you eat the thing and you've, ru- you've ruined everything and you're making a choice that makes you, you know, you want to eat the thing in the moment because it's going to bring you joy. And then immediately you start berating yourself and then you get up the next day and you're like, I, you know, I'm never going to do this. And why did I do this? And then you punish yourself. Like, this is so, how do we get it? So <laughs> that's a brilliant sequence that you just described, which is really important for us to capture. And of course, it's annoying because we've got to do the homework. We've got to be able to try and catch these, the train. We've got to catch the train and decide, can we get off the train? We don't have to ride it all the way to the doom and gloom. And if we're playing that movie, you know, if we're playing the Titanic, we know it's going to happen. So yes. just stop playing the movie. So you just described some really good thought traps, okay? Because you, the way we think is automatic. You're absolutely right. You're very smart to be thinking it. it's there, you know. But we have developed it. We've, we've developed these thoughts from our past, from what we've heard growing up, things like that. So we might have one, you know, Typical thoughts might be blowing things out of proportion. So people should, if they're keeping a journal, catch if they're doing that, that blowing out of proportion, snowballing. And that would be just suddenly thinking, you know, it's it's never going to work. This is going to happen. I'm going to be like this forever. And we catastrophize. We might jump to a conclusion. Yeah. And that might be, oh, the scale hasn't moved. This isn't going to work. And it might be weak one, you know, Um We might be all or nothing thinking, you know, if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to fail. And this negative filter that you talk about is brilliant because that's our brain does a remarkable job of minimizing all successes and focusing on that one thing that didn't do, you know, didn't work today or didn't go so well. And so I would ask your listeners and your and your group to be thinking, okay, take a moment examine what filter you have. That's like your glasses. What, how are you viewing the situation? Mm. Are you only letting negative information going in? You know, can you notice anything that is positive? You know, is there another way of explaining it? Have you, are you about to menstruate? Did you not sleep very well? Did you not have enough water last night? You know, other things can impact those things that we're we're monitoring like the weighing scale which you do a good job of watching it and it changes Mm -hmm. um 
We might have word prisons. You know, we might live by the should-haves, would-haves, could-haves. Mm. And we want to catch if we're there. You know, I shouldn't have eaten it. You know, I wouldn't have felt like this if I had, you know, kept at my nuts instead of a bag of crisps. So we want to add flexibility. Can we replace with an alternative such as I would have preferred to have maybe, you know, had my nuts yesterday afternoon or I wish I wish for a better day tomorrow or it would be nice if. So there's ways of doing this, but we have to catch our thoughts. And for everybody who's trying to do this, you've got to prepare, got to prepare to catch them. So have a notepad, use the app, take time to notice, notice if it's a thought versus an emotion. Now, a clever way of knowing the difference is an emotion can usually be described with one word, bad, you know, happy, excited, shame. Whereas a sentence, if you're, if someone's explaining something to me, this is how I felt. It's often, that's a thought. Okay. Don't give up and catch those negative moods and negative thoughts. And the good thing is when they're really bad, like when you really think, oh, I really messed up, which is a very black or white thinking, that's the time to catch it. So I don't want them, to, don't want people to think, oh, no, I'm messed up. I want to think this is good. I can learn from this one because I can see what happened. What happened and how did I act? This is so exciting because this is like, I mean, this is a bringing awareness. And to your point, keeping the journal and showing up and prioritizing yourself every day is it's a massive opportunity to, to learn more about yourself and, and turn that volume up. We talk about turn the volume up. Don't try to squash your thoughts down and, you know, willpower your way through the program. Like those thoughts are popping up for a reason. The, the, the program is designed to bring them up. Like I know that this week brings up food waste issues. I know this week is most like a diet for people. It's designed that way for a reason. After spending four weeks eating to satisfaction and doing what you need to do, you're ready to be proactive and just dive right into it. I I have so many, I got so much to say here because to your point, like we'll do a a conversation with someone like yourself, which I think is really exciting. And then someone's takeaway will be like, oh, okay, I knew it. I'm never going to be able to do this. And I'm thinking what, that's what you got out of this. So that's, you know, example of, of someone's brain being, you know, wired negatively or to your point where the program works and we, we have thousands of people we have, now we have data we have science. We have thousands of people who've done the program. We, we talk to real people. You're someone who's been successful in the program. Like there's, there's no shortage of inspiration yet, you know, people, they know it works. They know what they need to do. And then they can't seem to get out of their own way. And then how they're showing up for themselves, even though I know they want it so badly, is just like, they're not being that cheerleader. They're not being that champion. They're not open to working through the things they, they, it's almost like they're setting themselves up to fail from the get go. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's constant trying to convince people that they need to keep showing up and you can, you can just, you can feel them struggling and working against themselves. I mean, this is such a great opportunity to really lose weight finally and forever, but how do you, so, okay, that's, this is all a lot, my goodness. Um, so people recognize that they're like, let's talk festering and fuck. So they know the program works. They're here you know, we, we've only spent a few weeks and they're just like pissy every day. They're just like, ah, they get on this scale. They're, I don't want to do this. And they're just constantly, how, how does someone get out of that? How does, I, I always talk about festering in your funk. How do you get out of the funk? How do you, how do you get into a, what do you, what do you even call it a more positive mindset? It's definitely a positive mindset. So often you want to, as a psychologist, we want to know what could get in the way of change. You know, we want to know that at the beginning because some people will come and they'll say, this has been the way for me for 20 years, 30 years. And it's very hard to change people, even when it might not be something that is good for us. Um, change is scary. Yep. You know, we've put a lot of us are, are comfortable in cozy corner and it's really risky. And we are very vulnerable to go out, not only to admit we might want change, because we're very embarrassed still to say, I want something different. What does that mean? Are we needy? Are we selfish? Neither of those words are negative. We have to be needy. We've been needy since we were born. We have a mammalian brain. You know, we we have to be selfish because otherwise we won't survive. So putting ourselves first is not a negative. But a lot of us will worry about that even first step. 
Yes. Um, what you described was the internal critic that turns up and says, I'm, it's not going to work, you know, so there's a bully up there. Mm. And if we can know what the bully generally tells us and why it tells us it, then we're one step ahead of it to say, okay, here you are, because we can't, we can't just make it disappear, but we want to help the bully come along for the ride and say, I know you're there. I know you're going to tell me I might fail. I know you're going to tell me that I've tried this before, but let's give it a go. You know, what's, what have we got to lose? So trying to find that sweet spot of how much do you want to change? How, like, um, and when it goes wrong, what does it look like? So if I remember my first supervisor asking me, how will I know when you're stressed? And it was such a good question. And I said, I will get sore skin. I will never tell you I'm stressed. I'm yeah. too proud. I'm too private. But I will rub my lips. I'll get sore. Like, and so when is, what are those signs? Are those signs when you're starting to withdraw that you start eating later at night or you, um, I don't know, hide things from people or not come into the group because you feel you're going to be reminded that people are doing well and you don't, might not think you are. So what are those telltale signs that you can catch them and correct them quickly? Because you've done nothing wrong. Your brain is going, oh, uncomfortable, threat, threat, threat. Yeah. And it's pulling back. Okay, it's the fight, flight or freeze. One of those is happening and you're like, I'm going to hide myself again or I'm going to get angry at it and blame the program or blame the society instead of thinking, what am I doing that I think, okay, regroup, reset, and keep going. Because it is hard. It is hard to prioritize ourselves. Yeah. Um, so it's about reminding ourselves of the goal, reminding ourselves of the why, and starting slow and steady. Sometimes we change too many things, mm. and then we're going to fail. You know. So if we just start with something, increasing water, increasing hydration, getting better sleep, just small bits are more likely to be successful. And that's that 91 days of steady. It's it's steady for a reason. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. And that, that systematic nature. I, I do want to take a minute and just pause and reflect on the obesity summit that I was just at, at the beginning of the week. And this was the conversation this was the conversation, the, the behavioral therapy, the, and, and the thing was, it was like, I was listening to, because they have the medications and it, it, yes, they can help. They can decrease appetite, all those things, but they, there was no sustainability factor without the behavioral part of it. There was the surgery and they were talking about people relapsing without the behavioral part of it. And they had these brilliant doctors come on and talk about the importance of it. But I was thinking, yeah, but Unless you have access to a psychologist, which I absolutely suggest that people seek out therapy of some sort, be brilliant. But the majority of people don't have access to that. They might not have the finances to that. There's a massive backlog in the healthcare system and accessing it right now. And I'm thinking, how do you scale that? How do you help millions of people lose their weight on a massive scale that's actually going to affect obesity rates? you know, just working one-on-one. And this is why I love having you on today because it's, we've had some big conversations already. We were like 20 minutes into this. I have a feeling we could literally talk for hours and hours and hours on end. And I just want everyone listening to, to recognize this is it. This is when we talk about how it's not what you're eating and when it's your issues and associations and your habits and your beliefs to your point, your thoughts, your history, your past, your traumas, your connections. This is what you need to focus on and work through to get to sustainable, maintainable weight loss. You know, like that's, I just wanted to take a minute and really kind of, you know, bring to light how important this conversation is today. One of the things they talked about, which I thought was really interesting and I was going to actually implement into the next group was mapping your his, your dieting history. What do you think about that? Because I think people come into this process and they think, you know, like I'm four weeks in and why am I not losing weight? Meanwhile, they've been dieting for 20 years Mm -hmm. and obviously that factors in. So what do you think about someone taking a minute and mapping like the first time they went on a diet and, and then, you know, like stuff that happened in life and talking about um, someone I saw in the comments was talking about using food to cope. And when did you start doing that? And what do you think about that as a, as a, as a, a practice or a, you know, I love, I love the river of life. I'll often ah. have people draw a river 
Mm. You know, and then along the way, there's rapids, there's hard bits, and you will put them there because there's often a precipitating factor. Yes. This is the trigger, you know, whether it's your first breakup, whether it's when you're about to go to high school and you want to fit in, whether it's you're a dancer and you've been told, oh, that your costume's a little snug. The, these are things that if we can go back, it, it is hard. It's hard to scratch the, our past because it, it provokes that threat brain again. But it, it's worthwhile doing it gently. You can put it away if it's it's bringing up too many hard feelings, but it's worth it to think, wow, look, this is why. Because we want to be gentle to our brain and say, I know you were looking after me. You were trying your best. Mm. You, know, you sought comfort in that time. Or you then dieted because you thought that was going to get you the boy or the girl or the, you know, um, the the job, whatever it is. But it would be really interesting to see all the way to to now the river that you've you've journeyed already. Mm-hmm. And we're going to journey more. You know, that's the thing yeah. we want to build in skills now, so that when we hit other things, you know, my my life right now I have older parents that I'm worrying about you know stuff is still going to come that's going to knock me off my feet yes and if we can trust okay we've got some scaffolding along underneath us we're going to be okay you know but yes the river of life is a lovely exercise no love that um one of the takeaways too as I was listening to all these you know, some of the conversations were pretty depressing in terms of physically, like talking about your brain being wired to, you know, to, to fight or flight and survival and habit and all those things. And I was thinking, well, frig, this is depressing. Like, and I went up to um, this guy, I think it was Michael Vallis, his name was, and he was brilliant. And I said to him, can you, I, I get what you're saying, but can you actually rewire your brain? And he was like, absolutely, absolutely you can. Yeah. And I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that gives me hope. He said, but it takes work and it takes time and you have to want to go there and you have to want to change and you have to be able to recognize it in the first place to do anything about it. And obviously that's why the help of psychologists is so great. But again, I'm going to double down on why the program is so great. It really helps bring awareness to these things. So how, how do we begin making change? So we're aware um, where does, where does coping with food come in? Would that be a sign or is that a totally different thing from your thoughts? Is that, is coping different from your negative thoughts? You're so brilliant. I'm, I'm jotting down like, right, she's going to ask me this question next. And then I'm like, okay, hang on. I'm really excited about this conversation. Let's, if go you go and, let's go back a tiny bit where you were saying that that gentleman was saying about that depressing talk. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're wired, but he's right. Neuroplasticity is wonderful. We can change. This is so hopeful. Otherwise, why would there be billions and billions spent on self-help, you know, manuals? We could definitely change. Old dogs can learn new tricks. So that's wonderful. And that's what, that's an aha moment. When we, when I do neuropsychology with my clients and I teach them the brain, they go like, oh, phew, I thought I was just stuck. This yes. is where I just thought this was it forever. And we've just then got to tell him that bit that you just beautifully said that we can change, but mm-hmm. it takes time. Mm-hmm. Our brain is wired and rewired according to what has worked. It's very mm-hmm. adaptable. It will prune, it will rewire, it'll make some fast pathways, it will let go of old pathways. And we have to just start tuning up. We have to think, okay, every time we have a, a an awareness, because we have to cover mindfulness at some point, awareness of a choice, what am I going to do? You know, because I love that when you say, hey, if I want to have oysters, I'm going to have oysters. If I want to have a grilled cheese, I'm going to enjoy the grilled cheese. But we're mindful about it. I want to overeat today. It's my choice. Not, Mm -hmm. well, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know how that happened. So definitely we can rewire. Um, And by do by gently doing it, we're having aha moments then all the way along because our brain won't just believe us. It won't just trust us. It needs to see some sort of evidence. And mm. so when we, you know, I don't know, don't want to go to a party because we think nobody's going to, we're not going to talk to anybody. Like I can't go. When we go and then we have a nice time, our brain is rewired slightly. Mm. It's had mm. a new experience. It's gone 
that was really fun. And I got some people's numbers and we might meet for breakfast like next weekend. Mm. As we're doing this program, those moments of, oh, this is doable. You know, this shopping list is very doable. It's things that are in my cupboard. My kids enjoy it. My friends enjoy it. I can do this. I can sustain this. Mm. So that's how we start rewiring. But behavioral activation is key. You got to do it. We got to push outside of our comfort zone to do it. Otherwise, if we change nothing, nothing changes. So we start to change. Yes. But why are we so resistant to change? You know, like you can't just keep doing what you're doing and expect people come in and they want life changing change. And I'm so excited for them because you can make life changing change, but yet then are so resistant, are so resistant. People are so resistant to actually making the change. Why is that? Like also like it's a 91 day program on week one, week two, people are like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, it's going to take so long. Yeah. It's going to take 91 days. That's what you signed up for. Like, just- <laughs> they, just, they just might need reassuring. You know, they just might be at that very early stage of, I need someone just to reassure, mm-hmm. to say, I've got you. I'm here. I'm not going to tell you off slow and steady. You know, because we've all got our little people, you know, that we've seen if they don't, if they don't swim on the first swimming lesson, they're frustrated. They don't want to go in. Yeah. And yeah. we don't say, oh, that's it. Give up. Give mm-hmm. up. You'll never be a swimmer. You know, if we said yeah. that to all of our children learning to walk, they'd never walk. We just mm-hmm. slowly and steadily scaffold and we move people into what's called a zone of proximal development, gently towards what's possible. And that's maybe what a lot of people need at that beginning, but we're all different. So there's all yep. different readiness for change. And that cohort might be just wanting some more Gina, just reassure me, Gina, what's going to happen? Is it going to happen? So it might just be rhetoric. It well, might be dialogue. I love hearing that because I talk to our program specialists all the time about this. I said, you know, sometimes people may seem like they're a little bit like they're resistant or even a little bit pissy about it, but I'm just like, it's just their own issues. Obviously they're here. They want to do this. And, you know, sometimes their, their issues just keep coming up, you know, and this is why if we can just get people continue to move forward and, and keep going, I think they get to a point where they're like, Oh, they start to build that trust. I, I do want to talk about trust. I, you keep bringing up the word gentle. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, I think so many people, when it comes to dieting, think willpower, accountability, you know, go hard, go home, get this shit done. Like, what's wrong with me? You know, like, what what, what do you mean by that gentle? Obviously, that's huge. Does the brain respond better to gentle than just fucking do what you need to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So think think of the brain. I use my hand. Lovely Daniel Seagal taught us how to use our hands. So this is the bottom of our brain here, the brain stem. This is the reptilian brain. It's going to swallow. It's going to have reflex. It's going to monitor our blood pressure, things like that. Then tucked in here is the limbic system, the mammalian brain. This is where that fight flight is right here. And then our clever cortex is growing over the top. And this is our smart, wise brain. That's how we make decisions, how we think, how we can multitask, how we can take perspective, how we can manage risk. Now, the minute that we are under threat, this bit, the limbic system is going to fire and our clever brain is offline. 
Now we're not thinking with our wise mind. We're thinking with our threat survival mind. So if we now remember, it's not a saber-toothed tiger, but it's us telling ourselves off, then we're in threat. Cortisol is released, adrenaline is released, we'll have a physical response. So we know the physical response includes the gut, our everything, our heart rate goes up, our blood, blood directs away from the digestive system because it has no time to do that. Mm. It wants to go to the big muscles of the arms and the legs to run or fight or hide. And we're going to feel really sicky and it will then flood back in after the hopeful threat is gone and then we'll feel unwell again. So by talking to us in a nasty way, we're in threat. Gentle comes from the ideas of compassionate focused therapy. We are are trying to be gentle with ourselves. If a parent or, or a caregiver has taught you gentle attachment skills, that will be them helping you think and problem solve gently. You know, I wonder what's happening here. You know, it looks like you're um, getting frustrated. You know, it looks like you're feeling disappointed. Talk to me about it. Not, I knew you would. You know, I told you so. You know, this is your fault. Because when that happens to us, we, we are not ready then to try new things and be vulnerable. We just are under attack and we're going to retreat. So some people are functioning through the whole program like that. They're just, and, and then I'm just, my mind is like, well, what about stress? So you can add your own issues that you're trying to work through and, you know, trying to be like, why can't I do this? And this is that and all of that. And you, you're, you feel like under that, you know, the, the stress, and then you add stress on top of your stress. And it's just like, how, how we, how are we even surviving Dr. Bear? <laughs> well, that's the nice thing though, isn't it? We are. We all are right at the moment and, and hope, you know, there's going to be many people who are, you know, challenged with ill health and struggles at the moment. But if we can also be grateful for what we have in the moment, that's really important to think mm-hmm. yes, we can we can develop this idea of the the and, you know, we can we can have the thinking of, OK, this is happening, but but also this is happening. And, but, you know, I've had a bad day, but I've also had a nice walk with my dog or that movie is out. So two, two things can happen at once. We can be stressed, but we can be doing well. So where would, um, where would like setting intentions, like, is, is that, you know, I'm assuming it's great practice where someone is kind of waking up in the morning and putting themselves in the mindset uh, these are the things I'm going to focus on and prioritize. I would also imagine the intention behind that of, of like, I have to do this today and I got to do that. If I don't do this or end of day reflections, I sucked at that, whatever. Like I would imagine not just setting your intentions and end of day reflections could be helpful, but there would also be, you have to be mindful of your mindset when doing that. I would imagine. Yes, because you want to be able to include flexibility you know, and imperfection. You talked about that earlier. So definitely having things like smart goals, having, you know, we all know them, be something specific, something measurable, something attainable, something timely. So we do, that's great. We like that. Humans generally like it, but we also don't want to be so rigid with that, that then we think we failed. We just want to line it and say, that'll be tomorrow. That'll be my next gap. Okay, so we want to embrace imperfection because thinking rigidly can, well, of course it can lead to disappointment and anger when the world is not perfect. And if you think about it, trees can weather storms because they're flexible. They bend Mm -hmm. and they adapt to gusts of wind. So we've got to be willing to adjust our thinking. But yes, if we plan it, at least we know what we're doing. And that's also what we want to do with those thoughts. You know, we're planning our meals. So that's really nice. We want to take away some just, you know, winging it. It's really hard to just know what to do. So it's nice to have a a sort of prescription and a plan. But also, if you know the negative thoughts are around, what are you going to do? We want to plan for that. We want to think, let's write them down. Let's monitor them. When do they happen? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it premenstrual? Is it, you know, when? Is it every full moon? If we start noticing those negative thoughts, so with all that bully has arrived, mm-hmm. we're going to be more in tune with with why and when and what we can do about it. Because 
what I want you to say is I, I hear you. I'm going to make a cup of tea or I'm going to make a hot water and I'm going to enjoy that for a moment. And then I'm going to review it. I'm going to go back to the thought instead of react to the thought. Um, but you've got a plan. You've got to, you know, if we don't plan, it's, you know, we're going to fail. Okay. Because I'm just thinking how many times people would be triggered with this process just because it's dieting and the way people associate with food, the way people utilize food, which obviously, you know, you're still going to continue to do. You're still going to use the food to celebrate and to show love and to, you know, bond over and those things. And so people must be triggered a lot. I think that's, you're, you're very right. And what I, what brought, what you brought up for me is when someone is is about to try something else, they often will ask me, well, what's the side effect of this? You know, because the side effect of coming to psychology is maybe a financial burden, it's time, it's speaking to somebody else instead of maybe your loved one. There's stuff, if you are choosing a medication, what are the possible side effects? Mm. So I want to talk through that with my clients. Mm. What's the side effect of this program? I'd say, hang on, had a lot of these before the program, you know, so if the feels are coming up, they were coming up anyway. It's not because of the problem. Every time you probably saw food, probably you had these same responses. So now you're getting to know them better. Mm -hmm. You know, now we want to dig deep and think that's okay that they're there. I want to learn about them. I don't want to tell them off. I want to find out what's going on because, you know, Depression has side effects, anxiety has side effects, feeling low self-esteem constantly has side effects. So this program might be difficult and might push us out of our comfort zone, but maybe we're getting on top of some of these things, non-scale victories. Are we going out more? Are we feeling bad less often? Because it's it's minutia. We've got to measure this out of 10. You know, you might have moved – from nine out to nine down to eight with discomfort around a buffet. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Any move is brilliant. Being able to say, actually, I'm full, thank you. I enjoyed that is a win. So these tiny changes we need to collect so that we then can our heart back and go, I did it. Wow, I did it. And it's it's about that aha, right? Like in, in the way I say, it, it's like once you, so you, you, you start to recognize you, the bit you doing the behavior. You're like, oh my God, I keep doing that. Or why do I keep doing that? That doesn't work for me. And not that you might keep doing it a few more times. And then I find the more I bring awareness to it, then I get that the answer. Oh, this is why I'm doing that. Well, that doesn't work for me. I, it's that aha moment. Well, that's where you almost then you you're kind of moving past or working through that that issue. Would that would that be like what's your version of someone like this is the issue and then they actually work through it? Like what is what does that look like to people? What is that to me? It's that aha moment. But how would you describe it? It is an aha moment because we have being mindful. Why why all psychology loves being mindful is that it's trying to calm the brain. Because the brain is tra- is often going into the past, the should have, would have, could have, yeah. or into the future. What if, what when? That's anxiety, forward thinking. But we, we're very bad at staying in the present. We're too busy, you see. So when we are, are um, cultivating presence and mindfulness, we're more likely to catch the ahas. And that's because otherwise we're going to miss them. We have yeah. to spend time with ourselves. And lots of us don't do that. We don't want to. We go, 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 go. And then we go to bed and we may or may not sleep because maybe we haven't spent any time with ourselves yet. So we want to try and be present. And our mind is constantly time traveling, ruminating, thinking about things that have happened or planning for things in the future. But being mindful is what is now. It's existing now. My mug is purple. My and my, also is my pen, you know, and just being really mindful and then thinking, okay, what do I feel? Do I feel dread? Do I feel discomfort? Do I feel butterflies? Is my heart pounding? And feel it. And then think, I wonder why. I wonder if I can catch the thought that just happened. And is it a hot thought? So a hot thought might be something that has 
really driven the emotion. And we've first of all, we've got to spot it. We've got to notice it. So somebody's hot, um, a hot thought might be, there's no point. I've already missed day one this week, or yeah. I'm always going to fail, or I never get. So that's going to make a feeling, it's got horrible. If we told a child they're going to fail, yeah. they're going to be so deflated, and we're no different. Our bubble is popped. Then we have to examine it, and we have to think, how fair a thought am I doing? You know, find the evidence for that thought. You know, what's the evidence that there's no point? You know, that that just because you've missed the the first day of the week that it's a failure you know am I assuming a lot of things is there another possible explanation you know things like that we have to catch it one good therapist says catch it cancel it and correct it ccc and I love it I love it I can't can't remember who says it but I love I love it (laughs) you say that again catch it cancel it and correct it because it's often a lie it's often something that you're telling yourself wow okay i just again so many aha moments the the four mindfulness questions i mean this is a big part of that right like this is like taking that time to just like have it resonate in your body to understand what your body needs you know to to recognize your your hunger cues to recognize your satisfaction cues to recognize like and our brains are fully capable of this we're just you know we're we're just we got so many other things going on we got all this high stress we are you know doing a million things when we're eating you know this is all about really just prioritizing yourself being in the moment as much as possible and being aware of all the things that you're doing and working through throughout this whole process oh my goodness um i don't even know where to go next because i'm just cognizant of our time and i i knew this was going to happen um okay so now i probably should remind everybody don't forget the classical conditioning piece because that's when you talk about association, that's what that is. If everybody remembers the story of Pavlov's dogs, okay, so it's it's really interesting because it's an actual in well, it's an involuntary behavior. It's a it's a your body is reacting, not because you've told it to, it's doing something. So what this guy, lovely Pavlov, was doing, he was experimenting, it's not nice, experimenting on dogs, but the dogs were at the lab. And what he noticed was as he'd walked to the cupboard towards the bag of food, as we all know, if we're pet owners, the animals anticipated, anticipated that they were about to be fed and they secreted saliva. But he watched this and he thought they know, their body knows that they're about to be fed and he would measure the saliva production. Now, he was able to go on to teach us a lot about learning and conditioning by pairing the food, the bag of food with a bell. Okay. So he paired it, food, bell, food, bell. And sure enough, eventually that involuntary behavior, that physical response of salivating happened with just the bell. So we can see a plate and we will salivate. We can see a fridge and we can salivate. So this isn't up to us. This is classical conditioning. And it can be changed, but it has to slowly be extinguished, unpaired, okay, slowly, slowly, slowly. So there's a different um, uh, conditioning, which is called operant operant conditioning. That's very different, but we can talk about that another time because that's what we do when we're um, voluntarily doing something. You know, that's the rat studies where they press the lever, And the food came and they were like, whoa, I did something and something arrived. Okay, so that's very different. They didn't secrete saliva. That was a behavior created a reward or sometimes a punishment, an electric shock. Okay, so very different. But it's really important to know that our body does stuff. Our body will pang, it'll hunger because it's associating that the sight of the fridge with now I'm hungry, you know. Oh my God, that's a whole can of worms. That's a whole can of worms. That's a whole can of worms. That's like that, you know, if I you have the chips and the wine every Thursday night while watching Grey's Anatomy, all I have to do is see Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Chris, Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And I'm like, where's my wine and chips? It's not even Thursday night. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> 
So Pavlov's, I can't, every single, um, I think pretty much every single um, obesity expert um, talked about Pavlov's dog. And this is a big part of that depressing conversation. They're basically saying it's, you're wired this way. And then this is why I was so excited about the people who are talking about neuroplasticity and behavioral um, therapy and all of that. So this is why, I mean, I, I think people's takeaway, they may walk away from this being like, oh my gosh, wow, that's a lot. And, you know, week by week, month by month, we're going to keep having Dr. Beverly back. We're going to, we're going to unpack all these things and we're going to work through all of that. And I think awareness is a big part of it. Um, I do have to get going. I'm cognizant of time. But being a sleep, um, a sleep expert, so many people had conversation, had questions about sleep. And so definitely we'll have you back. We'll talk specifically about sleep. But what do you think people need to know about sleep with this process? Because we had Elena McGinn and she's great. She had sleep hygiene and basics. What to, what to do if you wake up and that kind of thing. People definitely need to listen to that conversation. But I know you dive a lot deeper. Uh, when it comes to sleep and sleep in the brain. So just, you know, if you could touch on that and, and maybe we'll definitely follow through with a different conversation because I think it deserves its own conversation. I think you probably yeah. agree. So what do people need to know? Um, you know, just leave them with a final thought about sleep in this process. I'd say first thing is sleep is for the brain and by the brain. The brain makes it happen and the brain needs it. And it's the number one thing that the brain needs. Mother Nature isn't messing around. Mm. It's a third of our life. And go back to the brain, okay? So we've got the base, the, the limbic system, and then the clever brain. Sleep is for the clever brain. Mm. When I sleep-deprive students and then watch what happens, okay, this bit of the brain starts to go very wonky very quickly, that means we make bad choices. Mm. We are impulsive. We crave things, extra carbohydrate. Well, they're not so good carbohydrates, the extra sugars. We become very negative in our thinking because now we can't control the impulsive negative thoughts. Mm. So it's very entwined with choice. And then our re- review of our choices and how bad we feel, then we won't bother exercising because we feel groggy. And without well-timed sleep, our digestion is also on the circadian rhythm. So we need predictability. So our gut knows when to be digesting. Everything is, is, has got a clock. Okay. So timing is everything. And your idea of, of trying to stop eating before it's, it's dark is really sensible because mm. then our body has time just to know, right, this is when I'm going to digest. But Routine is the guardian of health. It's the guardian of psychology. It's boring, but it's predictability is such a safety net. Um, Mm. Let our body know when things are coming and then our body performs very well. I mean, this is, oh God, I could not love this conversation anymore because this goes into the uh, systematic nature of the process and how what you eat and when changes and evolves in a very gentle way. Yeah. where we get your body used to that routine. And that's why that, you know, half hour, three and a half hours, that's why that order is so important. That's why not eating at night is so important. That's why starting your day with a higher protein breakfast is such an advantage. And then we're, then we're, as we go, we're getting even, even more in tune, not just, you know, mentally, but also physically. And then this is where you're slowly having the body adjust the amount of insulin it's used to using, the amount of food that you're used to consuming. And this is why, to your point, I love this word gentle, you can't just go and lose 20 pounds in a week. You, you, you can't do that. And you can't just cut your portions and, you know, you can't just go on a restrictive diet. It's so stressful on the body. Plus, if you can imagine and think back to all those diets you have done where you did that, starved yourself, deprived yourself. Could you imagine how your body is wired to that? You would be in a constant state of freaking the fuck out the whole craziness. <laughs> your brain is ready. Re- your brain is ready then to protect. It's going to say, hang on, store, 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 down it. Like it's going to just amp up everything, you know, yeah. and, and then you're not going to see health. You're going to see something else. 
And then you're, and you're just chipping away at your soul when you do it. And you, that's why you gain that weight back the whole time that they, they kept talking about that protective nature of the body. If you stress your body out and you starve it and you private and you, you know, you, you rush it and you, you know, all of those things, you make it, you force it, you know, that's the body's protective nature is to get it all back, which is why the process is so important. And just why I'm so excited. I've got to go. Can you come back tomorrow and the next day and the next day? <laughs> I'll do my hair next <laughs> just for me just for me oh you should have seen me yesterday I came back from vacation I was just like I was a hot mess um we do you know that Dr. Beverly we do, we we do it's the real deal around here we don't mess around I love you happy I'm birthday by the way you birthday. <laughs> thank you thank you I'm talking about working through your issues you know that that turn in 50 I'm I'm happy and grateful and I'm just like ah um, you're right. You can have the and you can be both. You can be both. Um, I hope I know that people got amazing takeaways in this conversation. Um, I just I'm so excited to have you um join us. I know that we're gonna have many more amazing conversations in the future. I know people are gonna want to find you, follow you. Where can they do that? Your psychology center.ca. <laughs> You can find me on, on my website and my email and things are there. So that's probably the easiest. And I'm on Instagram, but I can never remember what I'm called. But the website's probably the best export of call. Okay. Well, also, uh, for people watching and our members watching in the group, we'll also add your contact information. In fact, I think I think um, Ashley, when she posts our – oh, there you go, yourpsychologycenter.ca. Um, I think when Ashley posts to our our podcast she puts your details too so i uh, cannot wait to have you back already um thank you so much uh thanks to everyone watching today um so good you're welcome thank you very much <laughs> bye everyone have a great day this message comes from bof sponsor ebay you'll know real when you get it it'll say ebay authenticity guarantee And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.